I'm Megan. I'm CJ. And I'm Erica. And this is the Her Podcast. All right, guys, we are so excited to talk with our friend Lisa Gregg today. Lisa is a social worker by trade and a professional student by choice. You guys, this episode is so great. We highlight and talk about all things grief, what it's like to experience grief. How do you come alongside someone who's just had something happen in their life? There's so many good takeaways, so many good tips from Lisa. We cannot wait for you guys to hear everything about it. So turn up that volume and take a listen. getting right in there okay sorry my socks are ugly though welcome to erica do you have pedicured feet i do but you know my toes are weird (laughs) all of a sudden we have like foot fetish people following us (gasps) you make extra money a lot of sponsorship (laughs) let's get that globe show your feet yeah make some extra money on the side (laughs) have a foot patreon people love that stuff just like just socks with like one hole in it so just no, one toe is coming out. Like, as the episode goes on, more toes come out. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like a slow reveal. And to get the full reveal, you have to pay money. You have, you have to keep you watching. Have, you have to keep you have, There's a new level you can unlock every time. Business Lisa, I'm model. on the edge of my seat. This is so great. <laughs> I'm like, there's a business model here. How can we monetize the feet? My feet. So we're just going to jump right in. Good. And we want to get to know you. And we want our audience to get to know you. Okay. And you, tell us how you got to where you are in your work what made you feel pulled to focus on grief oh I was like oh god what work are you talking about (laughs) um do you know what I was it was instilled in me right from childhood so Mm. my mom worked as a home health aide for her career Mm. always like really pulled into the work of palliative care Mm. so the conversations of death and dying were just like normalized Mm. in our home around our dinner table with our pets like it was just something that we talked about. And then from there, um, when I went into social work, it was like, I want medical social work. I want grief and loss. Um, was matched up in you know the universe's way of these two incredible mentors who that was always their focus. And then honestly, you start doing the work and it's the most like humbling and rewarding and just moving experience when you just are on people in their grief journey. And so it was just like, it's so weird to be like, oh, I don't want to be like, oh, it was so rewarding for me. I'm not mm. some like ambulance chaser by any means. Mm. Um, but it's just like the, the work is so like life confirming. Mm. What do you mean by life confirming? Well, I think when you sit and grieve, which is like so many endings, so much sadness, so much sorrow, I think the counter to that is joy, gratitude, happiness. And so when you're sitting in loss with people, it really really makes you have to focus in on what you appreciate and what you value and what what you have. And I mean, you're with these people as as they're saying goodbye or have said goodbye Mm -hmm. to the most important people. And that's just death loss, let alone, oh my gosh, divorce, illness, ability, this pandemic, Um, so much loss every day. So so my question is, because you're talking about this, I'm like trying to envision what you do because I'm very visual. Mm-hmm. So are you like pairing up with the hospitals and working on like palliative care units? Are you like, I have my own, like how does that look for you? Like your own practice that people are like booking in to come and talk about their grief. So it is totally evolved over the year. So absolutely it started as a social worker in the health region when I lived in Regina. Then I was like bereavement counselor for a bereavement center in Regina And then I come up to Saskatoon and I did some work in a treatment facility for youth. So you can just imagine the Mm -hmm. complex grief there. Um, And then it's evolved. Like now I'm in higher education and that's like where my, you know, my full-time job is and it's rewarding and I love students. And, you know, a couple of years ago I had an opportunity to start a grief group for students on campus just because they're coming in with loss and their peers don't understand it. And now it's just really meshed into this world of like, I want to talk about it or share about it. And it's quite informal. So I do some consulting for um, Prairie Hospice in the city Mm. or for the hospice at Glen Garda. Now I'm going to help them launch a volunteer program. So that's on the side. And then wrote the children's book on grief because it just lived inside of my head, volunteering at a grief camp for kids. And Mm. so it's not like I do, I don't do grief for a full-time job. It's just always found ways into wherever I'm at in my life. Um, as a way of kind of service and employment. 
Um, and so I've just had these amazing opportunities that have always, you know, come for me, but I've also, I guess, sought out in a way. So I'm curious what, like, how would we define grief? Mm-hmm. You know, like, I don't mm-hmm. know if there's like a physical definition, right? But I'm like, it's just such, in my mind, it feels like this understandable term, but also very ambiguous. Yeah. Yes. Like, open like, almost. you know, A, are there categories of grief, right? Mm-hmm. Which you kind of touched on a mention. And mm-hmm. then what, how would you define it? It was, I think it's Jack Jordan, who like my favorite definition where like grief is um, like the universal experience of loss to anything that we are psychologically attached. Ooh. Oh. And I love that because, I mean, we're psychologically attached. So it's not about it has to be like necessarily a living object, but also that includes pets, people, relationships, um, physical ability, right? Anybody who, you know, we're such an ableist society. So anybody who's experienced, you know, from one way of doing to the next, so much grief is in that Mm. changing of relationships. I mean, I work in higher Mm. education, so, um, not everyone gets their happily ever after from their first partner. Yep. Right. Yeah. And so those, you know, so that, that psychological attachment and that loss is what I think. And then as for the categories, I mean, People always want categories almost for a hierarchy. Yes. So it's like, oh, my That's grief is worse than your grief. Right. Or comparison. Comparison. And like, you know, hard is freaking hard. Yeah. That's it. Hard well, is hard. Well, and I, I know like I, my sisters and I were talking about it recently because I'm like, it's so, I find that concept, I'm, I'm like agreeing with you. The idea of being like, my heart is worse than your heart. And I'm like, but what if that hard is the only thing you've ever experienced? Then mm-hmm. to you, it's devastating. And yes. Some people might have something hard happen to them and they're like, from the outside, people are like, that's wild. And it's like, well, it's okay, right? Like, it's 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 so person-based. Mm-hmm. So I find the idea of grief to be kind of like CJ, kind of ambiguous because I'm like, there's so much fluidity to it on like what it can look like and how it can feel. Yes. Well, and like experience-based too, mm-hmm. right? Like you mentioned, grieving the loss of a relationship. That does not mean that somebody died yeah divorce divorce means you are now grieving the life that you anticipated that you would have yes as well so much and navigating that i'm so curious how and you know and loss of friendships or you know divorcing your friends like people talk about stuff like that too Mm -hmm. or loss of a job or loss of a Mm -hmm. you know opportunity that you were psychologically tied to or Mm -hmm. emotionally invested in if that's Mm -hmm. fair to say as well so how do people navigate those kind of losses when we often associate grief with death and dying right right i mean one we talk about it yeah and it's dr dan siegel that you know you have to name it to tame it Mm. and so first and foremost you have to name it and i think more often than not sitting in a space with people when they're just talking about like whatever emotion or feeling that's bubbling up for them and when you go like it sounds like you're grieving something Mm. and they're like oh my god i am and it's like yeah you're you're allowed to it doesn't have to be death like you're allowed to grieve whatever it is. And it's that same concept of, of trauma. Like who am I to tell someone that their experience was traumatic for them or not? It's going to be different for everyone. Mm. Right. And that's, that's grief too. It's like some people will find, you know, I have, I have a friend who's going through a divorce right now who's experienced significant death loss. And he said to me, he's like, at least with the death losses, there was finality and closure. That's Mm -hmm. exactly what it is. Right. Right? And he goes, and he's like, we're versus the divorce. Like, there's no closure. It's, I have to continue with that. And that's hard for him versus some people. It's not like it's, it's so complicated. What I find interesting in my own life when I think about grief and what I think about like the things that I find really difficult is I'm like, I actually would almost find death easier in a sense. Cause I'm, you know, when I think about like a divorce or friendships or people who choose to leave your life, I'm like, they weren't choosing to leave me you know, something happened that caused that and mm-hmm. that that almost like closure of like, and you know, I'm a, I'm a faith believing person. So I'm like, okay, so I believe in like, you know, heaven. So I can even equate to being like, oh, well, they're in heaven. Whereas if someone like chooses to leave you, you're like, well, now I'm abandoned. Yeah. Well, well now I'm reject- mm-hmm. rejected, right? And so I find that very interesting. Mm-hmm. I remember saying to people, because long before I met my current partner, um, I went through a marriage and divorce as well. And I remember saying, I feel like it would be easier if he had died. Mm-hmm. 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 That would have been easier for me. Yeah. Than to grieve the loss of what I thought my life was going to be like, what, you know, um, 
the picture that you had in your head and this living person that you still have to grieve this person and the loss and the relationship and like all of the things that come with it thinking like i wish that just like you had said there would have been a finality there yes well and there's something to be said about when you can look at a situation and go there's nothing i could have done Mm -hmm. right but when 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 people are making choices you're like what can i've done to persuade that choice what can i've done to change this or did i act in a way right but if someone gets sick and passes away it's like nothing i could have done could have like stopped that timeline from happening but that still doesn't bring comfort no. for those in grief. Mm, right. right, absolutely. And I think True. That that's like, that is what we have to remember, right? Is like, you know, we will always rationalize and understand from our place of yes. being, right? And it's yes. like, oh, I think I could, or I think I couldn't, or this. And the the end of the day, you don't know until you're in no. it. And yeah. I think that that's like where we say like the, the best thing we can do for grief is acknowledge it. And so many times we're trying to like, gratitude people's hard emotions away and we Mm. at least them and we shit all over them and you know at least you had this time or you know whatever that is um and even for those like if you're faith-based like at least they're in a better place now Mm -hmm. like no we, we we can't we just have to acknowledge the pain for what it is so how do you do that like i'm curious on as like again someone in my life like i've not i've been very blessed i haven't experienced Mm-hmm. really any loss when it comes to um life or anything like that so my curiosity is how do you be a support person support. first mm-hmm. like you walk alongside them mm-hmm. right it's not about like a head or behind but it's simply like you you sit with them in their pain and mm-hmm. that is so freaking uncomfortable right we hate other people's pain we hate discomfort we like repel from it we are we want to fix it we want to make it better we want to serve it up some casseroles because mm-hmm. that's what we take to everyone when someone's experienced a loss um but you you just have to sit in it and acknowledge their pain for what it is for what they say it is like we are the experts in our own everything Mm. actually in our lived experiences we are our own experts and so if you want to support someone just like listen and trust them for what they're telling you Mm. and I think we're so quick to like interrupt to be like oh my gosh yes and like this one time my aunt's cousin sister's dad's hamster Mm -hmm. died and it was so hard you know and we're trying to relate but like I think at the end of the day I mean I'm sorry but when someone's in the deepest pain of their life, like when I don't like, do I want to relate to that? Like, no, I don't right. you know that that's, so we need to acknowledge that for what it is versus which is like, that's just so like, that's so, I mean, shitty, crappy. I don't know if I can swear. Yes. Um, okay. I'm like, Oh, I'm just trying to be very um, PG. Um, but like, you know, that's so shitty. Yeah. Um, so sorry, I want to interrupt because yeah. again, I'm visual. So are you suggesting like literally sitting with them and just yeah. letting like, even if that's like quiet, mm-hmm. if it's hearing mm-hmm. their words, if it's just like echoing back their pain to them and being like, yes, this yes. does suck. Our pain needs to be acknowledged. Okay. Right. Right. So when someone's like, oh my gosh, I just can't believe it. I can't believe it. Like you can just be like, this is awful. And like the, one of the best things I heard from you know, and I mean, while there is no hierarchy to like grief and especially death loss, like I will say the death of a child is the club that nobody wants to be in. Yeah, and I, I, I will like I that imagine. is to, when it's like the worst of the worst. Um, fortunately, I have not lived through that. I hope I never do. That is what we call an out of order death. And so I, mm. I always just want to acknowledge that one is like, yeah, Ooh. Big. Um, and it's like when people say, you know, I can't imagine how hard this is. Um it was like a, a a mom had said to me, it's actually like you don't want to imagine how yeah. hard this is. And I'm like, that's so true. And and even just acknowledging that, right, where it's like, I don't even want to imagine how hard this is. No. Like this is like the worst of the worst. Or, mm-hmm. you know, when somebody's going through that divorce, rather than being like, you know what, like you're just you're so better off he or she was they didn't treat you like how you deserved or you know i know there's somebody better out there for you like shut up like just let them be in the like it's like oh my god this sucks like this is not what you had pictured for yourself Mm -hmm. so how do you suggest supporting people in their grief who do not want to let anybody in Mm -hmm. or don't want to talk about anything Mm -hmm. or at a place where they're very angry Mm -hmm. and have gone inside. Like what are some tips to navigate that as somebody who cares for, for that person going through it? I mean, first of all, patience. Right. And then second of all, it's who's the discomfort about, 
right? Am I uncomfortable because of their anger? Right. Am I uncomfortable because of their silence? Am I uncomfortable because of their change in personality? Mm. More likely than not, I am. Right. Right. Um, but we do again, especially like in that urgent, like immediate or even, I mean, oh my gosh, that first year, like we just have to ride the waves with them. And like, they need to know that when they're ready to talk, we're there, not on our terms, on their terms. Yeah. Right. And that, that's very different than when we set the agenda or when we're like, you know, they've been like so isolated. Um, we really need to get them out. Okay. So like ring up the girls group chat, like we are getting her out on the town tonight. And it's like, maybe she doesn't want that. Right. And maybe she wants a quiet night in. Um, maybe all of that's overwhelming. Maybe the emotions, like hyper-stimulation, Ooh, right? Yeah. You know, we've we've been there. And if, if you've experienced any type of loss in your life, like really dial into like what you needed versus maybe what other people thought you needed. And I mean, there's also the societal norms of like a very gendered approaches to grief, right? Mm. Ooh, women let's dig are, into that. Right? Women are supposed to be the feelers. Men are supposed to be the fixers. Mm. And again, gender is very fluid in my opinion. So I'm just like saying the societal norms, not my beliefs. Um, but that masculine feminine way of grieving when the reality is, is, is we constantly move between the two. Mm. constantly like so one one time we're going to be in the emotions and then we're going to you know we just we're just going to oscillate between the doing and the feeling and sometimes that oscillation will stay stuck right and if we're stuck in the feeling and now we can't do meaning maybe I have children that I need to get to school right that's hard right that's hard yeah or when I'm stuck in the doing and now I'm avoiding feeling that's hard. Yeah. And that's where like people just need to support you through it. And I mean, of course I'm going to sit here and be like, also therapy. Like yes. mm-hmm. you need people who aren't emotionally invested in your life to also support you on the outside to, that are like trained and educated in sitting with you. Well, cause I, I think we can't avoid, maybe this is a really blanket statement and I've never thought of it before this. So let's go down this road. <laughs> I love it. Like we can't avoid motive. Right. Ooh. Like I'm like, even when I love you mm-hmm. and I want the very best for you, mm-hmm. right? Like my opinions will come from that place. Yeah. So my motive might be like, I want you to have a good, li- and not that it's a bad motive, but yeah. you can't avoid motive. Intent and impact. But it's still Whereas your motive. It's still my motive. Right. Yep. So, you know, you go to a therapist who, and I always said like, I go to therapy and I'm like, my therapist obviously cares for me like as a therapist, but yes. I'm like, she doesn't really like, her she life goes on. Like her life goes on. Like it's, right. it's, I'm not, you know, so I think there's so much value to sitting down with someone who really has no opinion of you yeah. and is really just like, I'm going to take what you're saying at face value, talk with you about it and like figure that out and then send you on your way. Yeah. And like, yes, they hope for the best for you, but. Well, probably a safe place to get out some yeah. of those feelings, right? Oh, because yeah. sometimes probably those closest to us almost can't handle at times the true depth of what we're feeling right and like especially as women i don't like come on we edit ourselves too yeah we're so fearful of judgment and comparison and wanting to be be perceived a a certain way so like we're in our when we're in our shittiest place we're like no no i'm fine i'm good i'm really good and the narrator's like she is not fine (laughs) you know but like (laughs) we can all see it right but then as friends you're like i don't really want to like say and like so much of like you know any of the the grief journeys I've been on, like in some ways felt so parallel to my postpartum journey. Yes. You know, where you're just like kind of isolated, kind of trapped, supposed to, you know, not showered, not eating properly, not caring for yourself. Don't want to leave the house. Like, you know, Yes, postpartum depression too. Everyone's yeah. like, "Oh, that girl sounds like she was struggling." Of course, I yes. was. Um, but so like, did I. But, you know, but there's there's so many parallels I find with that in that grief piece too, where it's like, "Oh, do you know what? Like, the the best things for me in that time weren't the person showing up, being like, "Okay, Lisa, shower, let's get out of the house, we're going for a walk." Oh yeah, I would have been like, <gasps> right? It was right? like, "I'll oh, come we're... sit with you," and like while I was sitting holding my baby they would wash the dishes. Mm -hmm. So then I felt like, oh, calm baby house being cleaned. It's all being done at the same time. Mm. You know, and so it's those tasks that were valuable to me. Practical. Practical. Basic. Every day. Right? Small, simple. Right, simple, but not making me change what it was I wanted to do. It's like, you know, when you think about having that new baby and people are like, oh, give me your baby. You go nap. Well, I'm sorry. Like my brain was not wired just to go nap. Here you go. Right? Versus like, oh, I could just like rest and hold the baby 
well, other things are being done or I had some company or now the baby's fussy. Like if you want to shower, I will deal with the baby while you can go shower if you want to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, That's great advice. Right. And that, that was so helpful. And I think when you take grief on that journey too, it's like, you know, just because it's sad and uncomfortable versus like postpartum is supposed to be exciting and beautiful. It's like, just, they're the expert check in. What do they, what do they need and want? And if they're like, I don't know what I need, sit down, but don't make them entertain you. Mm. Yeah. No, that's not nice. Right. No. Um, selfishly, I have a question about, um, grief. I mean, so two things like one grief probably doesn't follow a timeline. No. Right. And so it has its own timeline Mm -hmm. and I'm curious on your thoughts on that. And the other thing is, is when you're, um, in relationship with someone where you're experiencing a constant grief, Mm-hmm. So, for example, my father-in-law was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's. Ugh. And so we're having constant little deaths mm-hmm. every day, right? A loss of that ability. And so, again, similar to like having a more concrete death, right? Compared to these small little losses that feel like little cuts yes. every day that you're yes. slowly bleeding out, right? And I'm like curious what your um, tips would be on handling a grief that is more long lasting and even just timelines. Ugh, timelines. I'm like, oh, if if there was a way to put grief into a timeline mm-hmm. or into stages, like grief is not in stages, right? That's the whole, first of all, like that myth of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross okay. and the five stages of grief. Interesting. That was a study done on the stages of dying, not on grief. Oh. And they found that people who are dying would follow typically in those stages, mm, Okay, um, which was then taken into you know, we love to like pathologize and put things into boxes. I certainly do. And so then that was taken out of context. And like, you know, we follow these stages when in fact, I mean, they, they're very common symptoms and experiences. We all move through them. Um, but we don't move through all of them. We may move through none of them. We may skip through them, but it's like a, a, it's like a cycle. Oops. See, I'm hitting the, I'm a hand talker. That's okay. Um, you know, but like we just are constantly, you know, moving through them and going, it's like two steps forward, one step back. Like, you know, when you think about the waves, like that is just what our grief is. It's, it's not stages. That's a beautiful picture. The waves, the waves, right. And so some days it's like a freaking tsunami. Yeah. Mm. And then some days, Amen. <laughs> and then some days it's calm. Yeah. Well, you know, like it's just, just chill. I saw this image once. And again, I know we don't want to be like trying to paint a picture of grief, but it was this like almost like ripple effect. And it was like mm-hmm. a person in the middle with these like circles around. And it was like showing, it was like year one. And it was like this giant circle of grief mm-hmm. around them. And it was like, everything affects them. Everything hurts. And then it was like, you know, year five and the circle was like a little bit smaller mm-hmm. and it got, and it kind of went through this all the way down till the circle was just in the person. And it was like, it never leaves. No, but the, points of impact might become smaller like things like Christmases might get easier or whatever you know those little moments might get easier but the grief will always be there and I really liked that because I and again I'm not like an expert and I'm not like don't have tons of experience as I've said but I'm like I can understand that picture of like it always stays with you yeah but maybe the triggers Mm. dull themselves a little bit or you start to cope with the triggers yes. differently right and like erica it's this very similar there's like a ball in the box um mm-hmm. analogy and they talk about if you took a box and you put a ball in it and then there's like a pain trigger like mm-hmm. a button on the side and you know the, the initially with your grief like the ball basically takes up the whole box so every time you're walking to the box if you move it that ball hits the pain trigger mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. over time the ball gets smaller so you can move the box and the pain trigger won't get hit every single yeah, time, yeah. right? Which is exactly, yeah. you know, what you were saying. And the other thing with grief is like, I always like to say it gets lighter, mm. not easier, right? Because yeah. it's always hard. It's always, always yeah. hard. When it when it bubbles up, grief will always be hard, um, but it gets lighter. And it gets lighter when we allow others to help us carry it. Yeah. yeah. And so we can share our story. That's like, if you can talk... Um, and when there's like the disenfranchised grief. And so that can just... What do you mean by disenfranchised? disenfranchised. Like, that? like the It's like the grief without a home. It's like um, the, okay. you know, the griefs of like that we don't talk about, stigma associated grief. Um, you know, even people who like, I mean, I'm not somebody, you know, who identifies as trans, but even like that gender affirming surgery, we may assume that they grieve, but maybe they don't. But there's also so much that can go with that, right? Mm. And that's disenfranchised because 
who else wants to talk about it? Who else is safe to talk about I that see. with? Where does that get to go about, you know, the grief of spending so much of their life not getting to live into who they truly were? Who gets so, to talk about that? So essentially anything where we'd be like, we don't have a place for it. You don't like have a place we can't for it. label it under like death grief or... Or society doesn't mm, accept it. Okay. okay. Um, you know, do, like, reading so much of the work of Esther Perel, who's like a relational expert, and like, you know, talking about relationships with like you know, maybe there are, you know, affairs and we're talking about like the kissing boyfriends, something happens. You don't get to talk about that loss or that ending, right? Where do you go with that? And I mean, people are, have their own opinions and judgments on that, but that's still disenfranchised grief if we're going to really name what happens out in the world. Right. Um, and it's just hard to talk about and just any type of grief that like we downplay, like even for our kids, Mm. like a friend moving away. Yeah. Like by no means is that like disenfranchised on the scale, but if we're just like, no, no, you'll make new friends. Minimize it. Minimize. Right. And so we we have to like, we just have to sit in the heart and we have to just be like, Oh, if that's hard for you, that's hard. I trust you on your life and your opinions. So how do you get someone to acknowledge, like, do you ever come across people who are clearly going through grief Mm -hmm. and like, won't name it, won't acknowledge it, won't, or, or, you know, like, how do you, I, I'm just curious on yeah. that if, cause like, you know, some people who are just like, no, I'm fine. Like, it's good. Yeah. Like, how do you work through with someone mm-hmm. or, or help I, them carry it? Yeah. Like, I'm just, I'm yeah. curious on what that looks like. I like one. I, I just like, especially when I used to work with teenagers, I'm like, you can be fine, but you have to be fine. And so fine. Okay. And give me another word. Okay. Cause fine is like, meh. It's like, how are you? <laughs> I, mean, I like this. It's like, it's like, I'm fine. It's like, meanwhile, it's like, she's not fine. Yeah. Fine means like, it's like, oh my gosh, if your partner's like, oh yeah, you look fine. <laughs> Just fine? Just fine? What's right. that That's movie? It's like fragile, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. What? <laughs> no. I've never heard it's, that before. I think I'm getting it a little wrong, but I think it's from the Italian job. Oh my God. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> the things that stick with you from movies, fragile, right? Fragile, insecure, neurotic. Right? But okay. it's right. So it's like fine and, mm. and, um, you know, I'm not ever going to sit there and say, and someone's like, oh, I'm just like really struggling. And I'm like, no, actually, you're grieving. Yeah. Like, stop. I don't need like, I don't need to versus someone who's like, I just don't understand why this is so hard for me. Like, why? Like, why is this so hard? Mm. And that's when I can be like, because it's a loss. It's a loss mm. of what you thought things were going to be. It's you thought you were going to get that job and you had plans for that salary increase. And, you know, you had that house. You put an offer on a house that you didn't get. Yeah. You had built your life in that home. Like, and you're like, I know, but like. I should I should be so grateful still. And that's where I'm like, you get to be both and. Yeah. Grieving and grateful. Happy and sad. Like, we don't have to just pick one lane and stay in it. I mean, stay in our own lanes. Yeah. But like when it comes to emotions. <laughs> Emotional lanes. You know, like you both and. And that's the big one for me is like you, we can't just like gratitude our way out of that grief hole. Like we yeah. have to just sit in it first and then go like, no, I still have all of these wonderful things. And I get to be so freaking sad right now right do you advise people to sit in things for a certain amount of time or is it like you know because i will feel my feelings like Mm -hmm. okay i felt sad the other day and instead of being like but i get to do this i get to go here like the weekend's gonna be really fun i was like i just feel sad i'm gonna feel sad and then i'll move through it but i kind of sometimes i'm like i'll feel sad today but this is not a big grief loss, right? Like it's it's just the emotion. So is there like a, you know, is it open-ended? Or do you say, sit in it for this week and then let's talk about finding one thing that's, you know, you can look forward to or do one thing for yourself? Or are there, I, what do you suggest? I'm like, I'm like, it's so open-ended. Like, I just think we're so quick to like make people move through it Mm. at our pace not Mm. at theirs because it makes us uncomfortable it makes us uncomfortable and i think again like it's one thing if someone's like you know at risk of losing their job Mm. not paying like so then how do we support them right in getting this time or like what are we doing like this is where that community care piece comes in where like it's so individual like individualistic where people are like looking out for themselves like how do Mm -hmm. we help them in this but like they've got to feel their emotions and my friend Oh, my friend Adrienne and her book launch said the best story about parenting with kids and how we always like rush them back into things. And she's talking about her daughter at basketball got hurt. 
And normally you'd come off and you'd dust your kid off and you'd be like, okay, get back on the court, get, you know, go back and do this thing. And instead she took a page out of whatever parenting book and was like, you know what? You tell me when you're ready. Oh, and if you're not ready to go back and you're not ready, like, but Mm -hmm. you tell me when you're ready and sat with her in this. And then it was like, not that long. And all of a sudden she goes, okay, mom, I'm ready. Yeah. And away she went. And what a shift that's making for that child. Like to, to own and realize when she's ready for oh, things. And I mean, that just leads into the conversations of like consent and autonomy yeah. and empowerment. But it's like, that's, that's it. It's like, you know what? You like, tell me when you're ready. Mm. I'm, I'm here. Just tell me when you're ready. And I think we would be surprised if we actually allowed people that time to say that they're ready. Mm. They're because maybe be that's ready. all we want. Right. inside of ourselves is to be given that time right We've and been, once you're given it you're like oh it might not take as long as we originally thought or like don't because, we all want control i was gonna say choice because then you're in choice but we oh, do all want control we do like so when someone says hey like y- you know everything else in your life was out of control but you get to control this it's like parenting 101 right right Where, like do you want to wear this or this buddy? He thinks he's a choice, but like I've picked out the outfit, (laughs) Um, you know, but it's the same thing. I do the same thing with Nick. It's okay. (laughs) Right. It's like, (laughs) Oh, you give outfits. You you give choice. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Oh yeah. Nick actually gets no choice. And the outfit is on the bed. Yeah. I was going to say. And then he's still like, I'm going to wear what I'm wearing already. (laughs) They go back in the closet and you're like, no, no, no. I I nailed this. Like, it's like you do not choose outfits for family photos. No, that's for the mom for sure. Hands off. I can yeah. tell when Nick wants to make me really happy because he'll come out and go, Yep. Okay, what am I wearing? Because <laughs> he knows like I'm really dressed up. And then he's like, I need to match her. I can tell I need to match her then energy he's like, today. He's like, oh she's so this is like eat. a not hat event. <laughs> not hat like, event. I have to do can my I hair. wear am I allowed to wear anything that says farming or West Green or like whatever else on it, right? I'm like no. Am I allowed to wear a promotional item that was gifted <laughs> that to was me? Gifted in a swag bag. <laughs> no. No. So because we're talking about um children, mm-hmm. you wrote a children's book on grief. I did. So how did that come up for you? Oh, you know, this is like, you talk about the gifts of the pandemic when you have like extra time to sit inside of your own head. Right. Yeah. Um, good and bad. Um, but, you know, I always wanted, you know, I've always wanted to write a book. I do want to write a book. I don't know what that's going to be, whatever. And um, this is just something that kind of bubbled up first. It's like, you know, our girl Oprah and talking about listening to the whispers mm. um, to get all woo woo. And it's Love just that. like... Um, you know, it was just there. Like I'm like a children's book and then, uh, rhyming. Cause of course, when you read these books to kids, I'm like, I want it to be easy to read. Mm-hmm. I'm and fun, right? Fun. I don't Memorable. I hate when my kid brings me the novel before bed. I'm like, this is not efficient. <laughs> um, but also like, and I really wrote it with like teachers in mind mm. because I felt like the loss that they go through in their classrooms. I thought like, what would be something that a teacher or somebody like in front of a group could just do with a class. And like the, in the book, it talks about like, you know, having each person like name their emotion and how it moves through their body. And I thought it would just be like a fun activity to give our teachers the tools to just do something when they've experienced or a kid in their class experiences a loss. So like that's really the space that I wrote it from. Um, and then just like putting it together and then, um, thanks to, you know, our, the great resource that is Canva. I actually just like found some things that I I liked that I mapped out. And then I found the original author of a cartoon I liked. And then I found her via like Etsy. She lives in the Ukraine. And like, this is like years ago. And I was like, Hey, I really liked what you designed for Canva, but like, I want you to design something for me. Can we change it up? Oh, cool. It was like this, like, yeah. Talk about like this treasure. Serendipity. Yeah. 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 It was a little adventure. It was a little adventure. And I, and I wanted it simple like you know yeah i just i wanted to keep it very very simple i think grief is complex enough right. um so I, you just keep it simple i wanted the the bunny to be androgynous i didn't want it to be gendered anything just a bunny and then um just talking about our emotions and like feeling our body i just wanted to normalize it i wanted a book that could go into libraries classrooms and homes to sit on a shelf to be like we don't have to just bring this out when someone dies we can just bring this out for anything normalize we it. can just normalize it i love that you really touch on like the body sensations mm-hmm. and having having a tool to help children understand that at a young age because i'm still understanding right. and working on like hey i'm feeling this in my body 
what does that mean for me right now? Right. Instead of being like, oh, I like associating it with an emotion. It might be a body sensation. It might be part of the emotion. Right. Or like with kids when it's like, oh, I see you're mad. Let's talk about what you're sad about. Yeah. Right. Because again, Dan Siegel, mad is sad's bodyguard. Mm. And so it's like, let's, you know, and that's, you know, that sadness piece. And like, where is it working through? Where do we feel it in our hands or our tummies or our heads? And, you know, again, as adults, like, I think we need that. Like, I need someone to sit with yeah. me and be like, okay, Lisa, <laughs> you're um, a little bit triggered today. Like, let's talk about it in our body where you're having feelings. But I mean, my husband better not start doing that to me. I'll be like, excuse um, me. You know, but just like to start paying attention. I could go a whole different direction. Yeah, I could. <laughs> all right play a fun game <laughs> you never know See? grief can be fun <laughs> um but like you know where we know it's that noticing yeah. piece right like we yeah. have to start like paying attention and noticing mm-hmm. where do these emotions live and that requires us to pause oh the which pause. is uncomfortable isn't it and in this society we're very rush 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 mm-hmm. push through move through so even just sometimes taking a day off and doing nothing is uncomfortable, mm. right? So to sit in your emotions, that's uncomfortable. Like, so learning that pause. Do we take pause. a day off or do we just I mean, like, busy ourselves like right into being? Or are we doing laundry? I have just started taking an actual day off. Yes, I think I've talked about it, but yes. I like full electronics off, full one twenty-four hours, just like unplugged with my husband or whoever's in my home. And it's life changing. I love how you shared that. And you talked about that because I think it's like, it also gives permission for other people to be like, wait a second, we don't have to be like on call for everybody. No, you know, absolutely. We have to. And I mean, through all of these hard emotions, and I know that this is grief focused, but like the other side around is like, you know, grief is just a part of life like that that's what this is about it's about living and living with our grief and you know how it impacts how we do things and that is like one thing where it's like when I die am I really going to be like oh my god remember that one post I got like 200 likes (laughs) no when I I like to think when we die Instagram becomes a thing we never have to think about again oh my gosh especially (laughs) please Right? right Well, and I loved your, I listened to your TEDx talk, yes, which was so amazing. And the point that I like really love to summarize it was the regrets mm-hmm. that you summarized, you know, the top five regrets yes. that people have when they pass. And it's not what we think it is like climbing Machu Picchu or, you no, know, doing these big you bucket list, list things. I don't know them off the top of my head. <laughs> I took a screenshot. But they'll you, be in the show notes. Yes. <laughs> well, they will be like, now. Yeah. From Mental your notes. experience. Eric is like, thanks for giving me more labor. Yay. No, it's totally fine. That's great. We'll send you the bill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I owe you. Don't um, you know you're paying to be on this? <laughs> is this what my like, this is what I had to get pay your for? foot out. Get your foot oh, out. Man. Gotta recoup the cost. <laughs> foot photos. Oh, foot photos. Everyone's be like, what are they talking about? Anyway, um, to be seen. Um, yeah, like those regrets, right? It's all about just like, I wish I would have spent more time with my family. Yeah. Like, and yeah. it's interesting when my, um, when my grandma was dying. So she had received essentially like a palliative care diagnosis. And with cancer, it had come back, I think, for a third time. Opted to, like, she told us, I am not doing that treatment again. Like, it is my time. I'm just going to live it out to the end. And it was, like, such a, it it wasn't a beautiful death. It was a beautiful way to live. Like, it was Mm -hmm. just so wonderful. And I, um, one of the days, it was, like, it was actually July 1st. And I went and spent the day with her. And she didn't die till the October. And so she was fine. She was at home. And I was like, Grandma, can I do an interview with you? Mm-hmm. And ask these questions. And I had these 10 questions to ask her just on kind of like the meaning of life. And like yeah. looking back, especially knowing that, you know, the end was coming. And just her basically reiterating these like regrets of the dying, but not her regrets, but just her advice about like, go like it's people don't judge you by how clean your home is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's about the, you know, the memories that you make. And, and it was just so powerful to hear that from her because, you know, she always like, we all got our, some of our tendencies from our grandma where it's like clean house, minimal thing. Like, you know, there's a group of us, like all of us cousins, like we are all the same. You go into all of our (laughs) homes. It's all the same. It's, you know, passed down through the generational. And, you know, but then to sit with her and hear, you know, the things that maybe we held on to as a badge of honor to hear Mm. the matriarch be Mm. like, "Mm -mm, not that important. Yeah. Um, was pretty profound, but it just was validating that like, you know, what does matter? 
at the end of life. And I think that that's something that we can all think about, like what is going to matter. And I think so many of us put so much effort and work into the things that don't matter. And Mm -hmm. we allow the noise of others' expectations like to drown out like our inner knowing. And I, I just, my wish for all of us is that we just pause, go inside, figure out what's important, live our life for ourselves, not for all of the expectations. And then, you know, support others as they do that. Right. Because it's one thing to do it for yourself, but like Mm. it's a really lonely world when you're not supported by those who are supposed to care the most about you. So how do you drown out the noise? Oh, my God. Mm. How do I? Um, Medication. Mm -hmm. Right. Lexapro is my friend. Um, But really, like, you know, helping treat the anxiety was was huge for me. Um, But also, I think it's about like it's it's really placing the value into the relationships that mean the most to me. Um, I think it's really easy to get caught up in like doing all of the things and being all of the things and being everywhere when actually it's like, you know, my time is my most valuable resource. Mm-hmm. Yes. It is non-renewable. Yes. It is finite. Yeah. Yes. And so what do I want to do with my time? And I hope I have a lot of time left, but we like, we just don't know. No. And so sometimes I'll be like, will I regret having sat on the floor and played with my boys in my really messy house? Probably not. Never. No. I had that idea last night as I was cleaning my kitchen table because mm-hmm. my kids were playing. And since Christmas, we probably play Uno because my son got it like every night. It's so this. good. Uno's it's like so every, fun. You know what? Any parents, you need Uno because yes. everyone can play it. And it's actually like very entertaining and like as numbers a parent. and colors. Numbers, colors, yeah. pattern, like switching yes. things up. I, it, it's really helping my kids like focus. Like I'm like, you have to focus on the game. It's actually really good. Awesome. And as an adult who doesn't do imaginative play because my imagination died somewhere along the way, mm-hmm. this is great way for me to spend time with my kids. So Uno sponsor us, whoever Hasbro, <laughs> did Hasbro do that game? I don't know. Probably. We could try. My point is that as I was like getting ready to do Uno, because my four-year-old's like jumping around asking, I was like cleaning the house and I like, had this moment where I was like, oh, it just like doesn't matter if my house is clean. It was like, it really doesn't matter. Like, yeah, I put the food away because that's kind of gross. But I was like, my kids' papers that are everywhere. I'm like, it really doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Like in the grand scheme of everything, I'm like, I think I, I watch everyone on Instagram do these like nightly resets, which is great. And I'm like, wow, your house looks so nice. But I'm like, I just don't have it in me at the end of the night after I've done all this other stuff. And after I've spent time with my kids to now like go and like make sure my house is clean for what? Yeah. While we're all asleep? Yeah. So that when we wake up in the morning, they all like mess it up again. Like I'm but like. <laughs> I think the question is always like, who are you doing it for? Yeah. Ooh, right. Yeah. A good question. And so if you're doing it for yourself. Yes. If you know that you will sleep better that's and good. have a better yes. morning with a clean kitchen, like that's me. Yes. I have to do it. But if you're doing it because you think you should, then like stop. Mm-hmm. You know, play Uno. The same thing. It's like this whole role of like mother. That's a whole other conversation. Um, And being a woman. But it's yeah. like, you know what? Like, I'm a better mother and I'm a better everything when I do something for myself. Yes. And so I practice on like dropping the guilt that like my time, I need to, I need to spend it with other people. I need to do other things. I deserve mm-hmm. to do other things. And my time is as valuable as any other person in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'm, I should clarify, I'm not knocking anyone who does the nightly reset. No, I know. But I think it's the comparison game that happens. Yes. Is I'm like, they're all doing it, so I should do it yes. because now I'm less than mm-hmm. because I woke up and my crock pot is dirty from chili last night. <laughs> yeah. And it will be chili until Nick, or chili, it will be dirty until Nick cleans it. <laughs> Or CJ comes over. Or CJ comes over. Well, I think it's so, like right? if it's good for your mental health because it will make yeah. you feel better, yeah. then do it. The right? distinction. But if it's like, oh, I should do this because I should do the five minute morning routine or whatever it is, mm-hmm. if that doesn't work for you or align with what works for you, then that's fine. And like also, it's not just on the mother to do the nightly reset. Yeah. And Agreed. that's also all we see. Right. It's like, so no, we have to like, again, it's, it's about our time. Yeah. It's about our time. And like, why is it that like we put our time, you know, into doing all of it? We can do everything and do this. And it's like, no, like my time is as valuable as anyone else's. If I have time to do five minutes for me at the end of the day than I will. But like Erica said, then I'm just too tired to do it. So I'm not going to do it. Well, and you know, my husband and I actually just had a bit of a discussion because (laughs) um, the rule in our house is the person who makes supper doesn't do dishes. Yeah. Right. Like that. I I love that rule. Totally. I make dinner a lot. 
So it's his job to do the, the dishes. And the, I was getting very annoyed because I would go to bed and the dishes wouldn't be done. Mm-hmm. And he'd be like, I mean, I go to bed pretty early. So I'd be like, <laughs> why aren't the dishes done? And he and he's like still eating supper. With he's the kids literally still party. eating supper. And I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> Grandma's ready for I'm bed. Like, Grandma's ready for bed. <laughs> no. So we had this discussion, though, because I was very angry. And I was like, you let it sit out and you do this. And I'm like, I'm cooking. And I was definitely taking on the like, I do all these things. And then we had a very open discussion where he was like, I prefer to do the dishes like right before I go to bed. Mm-hmm. He's like, I turn on my like thing in my ears, whatever he's listening to or watching. He's like, and I'm so my brain is dead. So doing the dishes is very monotonous and I can just like do it mm-hmm. and then like go to bed. And so I loved having that discussion because it gave me the freedom to stop pestering him because I was like he'll do it and mm-hmm. he'll do it in his way and I do think sometimes as mom and w- as women like I'm totally on board that women and mothers like that's a whole thing that's a whole role mm-hmm. but I see that sliver of like am I asking him to do something on my time in the way I want to do it and then I'm not happy with it yeah. like you know listen there was that meme that, I mean there's a million memes um like there's that meme that singular that one, one um the motherhood one, oh, one. Yes. but <laughs> the one motherhood one the only one <laughs> like but it's like every wife where it's like um hey can you help me move this and because they don't do it immediately, like the wife like leaps up and like huffing, yes. huffing. Oh, yeah. Like that is me. Yes. I was like, oh, you're in my house. Mm-hmm. Like, and my the, my husband was also like, oh, look at you. <laughs> sending it to you yeah. daily. Right? It's like constantly being like, see, <laughs> like I'll get to it. But it is it's like, it's our timeline. And the other point too is like, we have to then voice our timeline. Yes. Yes. So, you know, we, they, whoever it is, the expectation piece of like, hey, I really need help with this. Sure. Okay. Well, we've passed it over. Not versus like, hey, I like I need this done by seven. Yeah. Well, and I had yeah. to reflect because like my husband would never walk in. He's wonderful. He would never walk in and be like, why isn't supper on the table at 530? No. He'd walk in and be like, just let me know what time we're eating. And you know, we're good. So I had to be like, maybe I just have to be good with knowing he'll do it and like leave it at that. Yep. And now I can go to bed and be like, if you want to stay up till midnight doing that, like that's you, dude. Like yeah. you go for it. Right. My sister gave me advice a long time ago in relation to parenting and or and or living with somebody. Right. And it's like if you want somebody to do something for you, you have to let them do it in their own way. Mm -hmm. Right. Like so use the dishes as an example. If you ask them to do the dishes, but they don't do the dishes the exact same way you do the dishes. Is it mean it's wrong or is it done? Yeah. Right. So what's more important that they do it your way or that they do it? Right. And I think that these, these are the conversations that like, when we start again, when we start reflecting more on our time, and yes. what that's like in our life, and yes. what it means, it's, we will lean into those conversations more. But when we look at our time as like infinite, whatever, I'll get to it, I'm responsible for all of it, like, whatever that looks like, then we just let things go, or we let it pass, or we hold on to resent. There's yeah. no time for resent. There's, yeah. you know, we, we have to lean into those hard conversations. Yeah. And like, that is what like, you know, going back to like grief and loss and doing that work has really done for me is like, we we have to have these hard conversations and we, yeah. you have to have them now or you have to let them go. And, you know, that whole piece of forgiveness is like another whole conversation. Yeah. But, you know, forgiveness is, is also about like letting ourselves off the hook. Yeah. Just as much as it, it's not saying, hey, what you did was wrong. And I have to say that what your wrong behavior was okay. It's just being like, you know what? I, I can't carry this anymore. Yeah. Mm. So I'm going to let it go. Yeah. You know, sometimes that's also what forgiveness is about is just being like, I don't want to carry around this weight anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it truly is a weight, right? Yes. It's a weight. So it's very heavy. Oh, you guys were coming to the end of our time already. No. That was like wildly it? fast. Time. Like speed dating. I know. You gave us so much good information though. Thank you so much Thank for coming. You. It was so, it was, yeah, it was grief and fun. It was grief. <laughs> I love that. That was grief, grief and, and fun. fun. Grief and fun. But we yeah, do that's... have one wrap up question that we like to ask Uh-oh. our listeners, but we've actually, guys, we're changing it up. Oh, yeah. It's a new question. Damn it. Yeah. No, I, I, she's, <laughs> she's like, like I know it. You can still still tell us. No, we'd love to know what is the best piece of advice you've ever been given. There's like, there's so much of it, but I always think back if this is so funny is my dad, when I was like moving away to university and like, I couldn't decide if I wanted to move to Toronto or stay closer to home. And like 17 year old me was really struggling Mm. with this. And 
you know, my I'll never forget. And my dad is a man of like little words, mm-hmm. but a hundred percent support. And we were like at this kitchen table and he's like, Lisa, like when you're 55, are you going to look back and be like, damn, I should have went to Toronto. Or are you going to be like, I went, I didn't like it. And I moved home because home's always here. He's mm. like, so you, you have, he's like, it's okay mm-hmm. to, you know, make a decision based on like, when you look back, what is the thing that yeah. you're going to be the happiest that you made? Yeah. Love. And like, it, it was like in that moment, it was like, well, I'm going. He's like, of yeah. course. And if you hate it, you come home. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm Absolutely. Like, and that's okay. That's and that's not okay. a failure. It's not a failure. Yeah. It's just like, why, why wouldn't you try? Why wouldn't you go? Why wouldn't yeah. you do? Like, that's what this is about. And so that has always stuck with me with like, kind of the, like, why not? Mm-hmm. And permission to change your mind. Yep. Love yeah, that. that's a big one. Mm-hmm. That's that was a good so one. Good. I did dad advice too on my podcast. I'm like, dads, they've got really good advice. When they, I know, right? When they decide to like share and talk. Oh, my dad is a mediator. <laughs> so like I get advice. I got a book he's that I could write. Yeah, he's coming on the podcast. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Literally. Oh, we're so, fun. Fun. so I love that, that you shared what your dad said, because yeah. I think there's so much wisdom that we can pull from our parents. Absolutely. I love that. Well, let's um, tell the people where to find you, mm-hmm. your social handles, yeah. website. We'll link it all out. But where can people find you? Um, so like Instagram's probably yeah. the best. So it's just at least a great wellness. Um, Which you've been pumping out the great content lately. Oh, you have. So I'm like, I just need to stop for a second and give you a shout out and say everyone needs to go follow you. Absolutely. Because the advice, tips, those graphs, like what you're sharing is so valuable. And can you spell it? Because... Yes. It's Lisa Gregg. But it's not spelled but that way. It's like I before E except in Greg. Um, it's like <laughs> oh my gosh, right. I was always going to stick my <laughs> yeah. head down. So it's it's like Lisa then G-R-E-I-G. Wellness. Great. Great. Awesome. So and good. What is the title of your book and where can we find it? Your children's book. Yes, it's Scream Shout. Let's feel our grief out. And you can order it directly through me on Instagram or you can find it in McNally Robinson. Oh, amazing. amazing. Oh, in Saskatoon. Yeah. Love yes. that. Fantastic. Yes, they're amazing for supporting local authors. Yeah. They really are. Love yeah, that. they Which really is are. Great. Mm-hmm. Independent bookstores are fantastic. Yes. Oh, amazing. Okay, we'll have to have copy. you back because we definitely have other topics yes. that we brought up today so that we'd good. love to discuss with you. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for being here with thank us today. You. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you everyone for joining us on this episode of the Her Podcast. If you want to follow along with us, you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at its.her.podcast. We can't wait to see you there. Bye. 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 Adios.